Thank you. They only give me 25 minutes. You're cutting into my time. No. Um, no, it's great to be back here. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not really back here because I'm here every Sunday. I'm just usually at the 8.30 service sitting right over there. Um, but it's great to be back and having the opportunity to share uh, with you. We're in this series. Actually, let me, let me, before I do that, I just want to tell you, I think we have just a wonderful pastoral staff here at this church. We really do. And, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but this is Pastor Larry's 10th anniversary. This month, 10 years he has been with this church. So... And you have no idea for me how gratifying it is, you know, having invested so much of my life in the, in the early years of, of Northgate to, to see it continue to thrive and grow and, um, and the new life that, that our, our staff has brought to it. So um, I am just honored to be able to uh, speak with you this evening, this morning, this, well, this afternoon, it's 12.03, so uh, not quite evening, but this is what happens when you get old, see. Um, <laughs> No, and, and Pastor Larry's uh, actually under the weather today, so um, no, he doesn't have the coronavirus. I just want to make that clear, um, but he's not with us today, but um, I just, I so appreciate him, and, and I hope you do too. There, there are not many churches, not many pastors um, that, that have such a, a great rapport and, and just a great ministry, so um, I, yeah, so I appreciate him, and I wanted to make that clear. So we are in this series, this is week four of a series called Stages, and it's about the lessons you learn through your life. And um, we started a couple weeks ago, Pastor Kayla actually uh, talked about your teenage years and those, those years when you're trying to figure out who you are and the importance of not letting other people put their labels on you, but discovering your true identity and what God says about you. And that's an important lesson, especially in your teenagers, because you're kind of trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to do with your life and all of that kind of stuff. And it's important to understand that God has some important things to speak into you. And that's more important than any label anybody puts on you. And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Larry talked about um, your young adult years, your single young adult years specifically. And, and the important lesson of that one is to, re- to realize that, um, that today's choices become tomorrow's reality. And, and the greatest foundation for your life is the choices that you make that are based upon the wisdom of God and the importance of Him uh, being your guidepost for life. And then uh, last week talked about your married life, uh, more generally about relationships, but specifically about marriage relationships and the deepest kinds and closest kinds of relationships and the importance of humility and, and, and going all in, making a commitment to somebody. And then in your marriage, particularly, having God at the center of all of that, because that's what gives your marriage stability. And, um, and so today, um, I've been asked to talk about um, discovering the true value of your life or the lessons from aging. Yeah, I got the old guy talk. <laughs> um, by the way, you know, one of the key learnings through this whole series is this, that if you don't know this yet, all of life is connected. Every stage of your life as you go through it, it's all connected. And, and the second great lesson in all of this is that your life is also connected with others. And that's why faith community and being a part of a church is so important. And it really speaks to what we're going to be talking about today is those, those lessons from aging. And, and I got to tell you, when, um, when uh, Larry first asked me to do this and I was thinking about it, This is kind of what came to mind when he said, talking about the lessons of aging. Samson. Hot diggity, I don't care if it's bad news. 
Oh, Grandpa, you're not busy, are you? Well, you're really asking two questions there. The first one takes me back to 1934. Admiral Byrd had just reached the pole, only hours ahead of the Three Stooges. And I guess he won the argument, but I walked away with the turnips. The following morning, I resigned my commission in the Coast Guard. The next thing I heard, there was civil war in Spain. And that's everything that happened in my life right up to the time I got this phone call. Uh-huh. So, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I'm afraid I'd just be repeating myself, honey. So, we're going to talk about the lessons from aging, and I'm going to try not to repeat myself. <laughs> um, we're, I'm going to use, actually, um, a, a portion of Scripture. It's from uh, Paul's letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And um, if you're not familiar with, with the Bible, or with the New Testament particularly, most of our New Testament is made up of letters written by a guy named Paul. Paul, when he became a follower of Christ, um, spent the rest of his life traveling around all the Mediterranean, sharing this message of God's grace and redemption and forgiveness and restoration. And, and, um, and he just went from city to city and town to town and um, all throughout. In fact, he made, we know of, at least three major trips, like years-long trips. And um, as he did this, there was one guy uh, by the name of Timothy that um, became the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so most of our New Testament is actually letters that Paul wrote to these different churches in Ephesus, in Corinth, in Galatia, all around. And then at the back end of our New Testament, there's three particular letters. They're called the Pauline or the, the pastoral epistles. The epistle is just a fancy Bible word for letter. Um, but he wrote these three letters, two of them to a guy named Timothy and another to a guy named Titus. And these were young pastors. And so he's writing to these two letters to Timothy particularly. And we're going to look at the second letter. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles or use the app there, it's um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He writes these words to him. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Skip on over chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, know about all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul is, towards the end of his life, he's actually in prison. And he's not, not really sure how much longer he has. And so he's writing these letters, and these letters particularly to Timothy, to just give him some encouragement. Timothy's a young pastor, and he's, he's kind of been, Paul's been his mentor. And so he's giving him kind of these last instructions. And he's talking about this idea that, that you've learned some things from me, and now it's your responsibility to teach them to others, and to teach them to others who can teach them to others. And that's, that's how this message of, of the gospel has been passed down from one generation to another, to another, to another. That we all have a responsibility to entrust and instill that message and that hope to the next generation. And it's not just for old people, by the way. It's for all of us 
to pass this along. Paul says to Timothy, okay, you're, you're a young pastor, but now you've got the responsibility to pass it on. So we all have things that we can learn from one another, but I think there are some things in particular that comes with age that you have, that it's, it's things that you have learned and things that you can pass on to the next generation. And I've made it real easy to remember because they all start with P. You have perspective, you have a pathway for your life, and you have principles that you've built your life on. So I want to talk a little bit about each of those today and, and kind of talk about this whole idea of the lessons of your life and how you pass them on. And it starts with this idea of perspective. When you get into your 60s or so, you get a perspective about life. You have knowledge and wisdom that other people need to know. And it comes mostly from your experiences. That every generation has a responsibility to the next generation. This is what Paul says. He says, the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, a little additional background is helpful. Timothy became a follower of Christ probably on Paul's first missionary journey. He was from a town named Lystra. And, and that was one of the places that Paul stopped. Well, the second time around, Paul's journey went a little bit further. But when he got to Lystra, Timothy and a few others joined him on his journeys. And for the rest of his life, as he traveled and all these different trips that he took all around the Mediterranean, Timothy was there with him. So what he's saying to them, what you've heard me stay in the presence of many witnesses, he's talking to them about all those experiences that they've had together in all these other churches. That Timothy had a front row seat. That he was there when people took new steps of faith. He was there when people's lives were transformed because of their faith. He was there when churches were established and, and began to grow. He saw it all firsthand. So when Paul's saying the things that you heard me say, he said, not just the things that I taught, but the things that you experienced along with me. You saw the reality of this. You saw this happen in city after city and church after church. And that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about perspective. It's those experiences that you have. It's, it's, it's not just the knowledge that you have about Scripture, but it's the knowledge that's been filtered through your life. Life application. And that's why from day one around here at Northgate, we have always taught towards life application because it's not so much what you got in your head it's what you've learned to live out. That's what you really know. And so Paul is telling him, these are the things that you know. It's the things that you saw firsthand. The things that you experienced yourself. The things that you learned and then saw put into practice. And that's why life application teaching is so vital for us here as a church. And it's not just what we do on Sunday mornings. It's in our rooted groups. It's in our community groups. Um, it's in our Northgate U classes. In fact, I'm, actually, my wife and I are going to be doing a, a class on marriage called Married for Good. We've been married 44 years come this June. We've learned a few things. <laughs> We've learned a few things along the way, you know. Um, and so, you know, we were asked, would you, you know, would you teach some of that? Would you, would you help the other couples in our church. So that's kind of thing. You have some perspective. You begin to understand. You have been through life and you've seen God's faithfulness. And you don't get too freaked out about the coronavirus because you've seen viruses come and go and come and go. And it's not the end of the world. You have perspective. When you're in your 60s, you've got a lot of life experience and a lot of life perspective. 
And you don't get so worked up about things that you used to get worked up about. Because you just realize, no, that's just part of life. But God is faithful through all of it. It needs to be intentional. That's what Paul's saying. I've taught it to you. Now you teach it to other people so they can teach it to other people. Be intentional about it. You don't have to be a biblical scholar, by the way, to do this. You don't have to know all of the Bible to be able to impart wisdom and knowledge. But you do need to be a lifelong learner. You need to be constantly learning. That's why even, even though I don't preach every weekend now, I still study, I still read, I'm still learning and stuff. Because believe it or not, at age 65, I don't know it all yet. <laughs> but I have learned some things. And you can learn so much. And by the way, you can learn from people younger than you. I have learned an awful lot from the pastoral staff that now pastors this church that are in their 30s and younger. I remember one day at a staff meeting looking around, I realized, all of a sudden I'm old. <laughs> all these young guys, all these young people on our staff. But, but I have learned so much from them, both as I was lead pastor and even since now, since then, up till now. Paul is saying, listen, you've learned some things from me. Now, that experience that you've had, you need to pass it on to others. And he's saying, by the way, don't wait until you're in jail 60, in your 60s or however old he was and not sure how much longer you have to live. Start now. Start now. Those principles. Second thing is you have a pathway. You have a pathway. You have set an example for others to follow. Because all of those experiences that you've been through now has kind of set a pathway and a direction for your life. It's not just about your words. It's about your whole life. That's why Paul goes on in chapter 3. He says, you, however, you know all about my teaching, but he says also about my way of life. Because in many ways, if you stop and think about it, you and I are the sum total of all of the experiences and the choices and the people that have made up our lives. We are. All of our successes and our failures, our hopes and our dreams and our disappointments and mistakes, the people that have loved us and the people that we have loved, those are all a part of who, what has made you who you are. And, 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 and that has created a pathway. You have, it's what um, John Ortberg talks about, this idea of a mental map. And it's kind of, it's, it's a mental map of how life works. And you never violate your mental map. It's, it's the way by, by which you have navigated through life or are na navigating through life. And everybody has it, whether you've thought about it or not. We've all got this, this picture in our mind of how life is supposed to work. And, and when, when that is coupled with Scripture and understanding of, of Jesus' teachings, and that becomes a part of your mental map, it, it's how you navigate through life. And it affects what you have to be able to pass on to others because that pathway is something that others can benefit from. We have a transformational story I want to show you. It's actually my sister and brother-in-law. And they, uh, they've been involved in the San Francisco campus since before it was a San Francisco campus. Um, and, and they've been involved in ministry there for all of these years. So I want you to watch this. My name is Ed Litwin, and I attend the uh, Northgate San Francisco Bethel campus. Um, I've attended here since uh, for 52 years this year. I have been here my entire life. Um, started out in the nursery. 
to be youth in this church was fantastic. No matter where you were in your teen life, you had adults that cared about you, prayed about, prayed for you. There was a major uh, emphasis on youth, family and youth um, when I was going. It definitely uh, set me on the right path. I came into this church when she was just starting her teen years. And so I stepped into a, a church that was uh, already um, very dynamic as far as the youth ministry was concerned. And one of the things that I have to second uh, with what she said was the supportiveness of the, um, of the older people, what I called older people at that time, was fantastic. One of the things that was really um, valuable to me was we'd have youth, youth services on Friday night, but it wasn't just the youth. The entire church was there. And when we would have times where people would share, you'd have older people that would actually give testimonies to these younger kids saying, you know what, you are the church of tomorrow. You need Christ to be real in your life now for your future. And they were such role models. We saw Christ in their lives real. I saw it, it emulated, I saw it in their everyday life and just knew that that was important to me. When we were raising our kids, all of these people in this church um, poured their lives into them as well, through Sunday school, through youth groups, through events, whatever. And seeing that, we realized there are other people out there that are looking for people to, to uh, speak into the lives of their kids. Well, who's gonna do that? Well, we've chosen to do that. I'm a doer. And, um, and so like every Sunday, I make sandwiches and other treats for the kids in the Sunday school class. And whether they eat them or not, you know, I'm just doing it every Sunday. Um, and because I'm a doer, that's my, that's part of what my language of love is doing something. So every time I'm making those sandwiches, I'm saying, I love you. They don't catch that necessarily, but maybe one of these days they'll catch it. What happens is we have found is that as we share our lives more, when people need help spiritually, they come to us. Um, not that we have any super great wisdom, we just know God's faithfulness through the years. Becky and I, when, when we were growing up, our parents said, oh, this, this world's getting so much more difficult. I'm glad that I'm not a youth anymore. Well, now we're saying the same thing, <laughs> you know? It's even worse, okay? But, um, yeah. you know, and, and so we're just, we're, I guess in a sense, we're trying to be a solid rock and trying to point them to Jesus. I think we all want to be able to say, like Paul wrote to the Philippian church, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put in the practice. Did you ever tell your kids when they were growing up, your actions speak louder than words? Anybody ever heard that one before? It's still true. <laughs> it's still true. Um, my sister and brother-in-law have been involved in, in youth ministry at the San Francisco campus for years. My brother-in-law's in his 70s. He's really old. <laughs> but for as long as I've known him, he's, he's still had a heart for, for teens. 
And, and, and you've got something. You've got, you've got that pathway. You've got that, that mental map of how life works, and you can pass that on to other people. And, and, and as you learn and you grow, like I was talking about being a lifelong learner, your, your mental map becomes clarified, and, and you begin to understand things a little bit better, and you have mu that much more to pass along. My dad, last, last month we celebrated my dad's 91st birthday. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, I've been through all of these stages that we've been talking about, you know, teenage years, young adult years, married life, and, and, and through all of those stages, as I've gone through them myself, there have been so many times when I've stopped and I thought, what would my dad do <laughs> in this situation? How would my dad handle this circumstance? See, he provided a, a pathway for me to follow. Now, we don't always agree on everything, but he gave me a pathway, and, and it has guided my life so many times over the years. And, and again, let me say with this one, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be real. Because the reality is, you have probably learned more life lessons by your mistakes, your failures, and your disappointments than you did by all of your successes, Right? And, and, and it's, it's great to learn from your mistakes, but it's even better to share them with somebody else so they don't have to learn them for themselves. And that's what Paul's talking about. See, when you share even your failures and your mistakes along the way, you also give testimony to God's redemptive power. See, it's, it's what you learn through the disappointments. It's what you learn through the failures. It's what you learned about God's faithfulness and God, God's ability to turn even your greatest mistakes into some of your, your, your best learnings. And that's what Paul talked about when he wrote to the Roman church. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. He says, we know the redemptive power of God, even in the most difficult circumstances, even in the greatest failures, God works good. He's got that ability to do that. And your mistakes and your failures can be a great learning tool for somebody else to help them avoid that. And the third one is your principles. Principles are the things, the core values that you've developed that other people can build on. The principles of your life are those core values that others can build on. Because along with that mental map, if you will, there's, there, there are signposts that you have relied on as you've navigated your way through life. Some have been warning signs. Some have been entrance ramps and exit ramps and detours and all of those things, but, but they've kind of developed these, I, I call the core values, they're kind of the road signs along the road of your mental map, <laughs> because those are, the, those are the things that you don't violate, those are the things that you, you have found to live by, and believe it or not, you have core values, you may have never thought about it, you may have never even taken time to write them down, but you have a set of core values, about seven or eight years ago, I think when Pastor Larry was probably his first or second year um, on staff here. And we were in a staff meeting. And he raised the question, what are, what are the core values of our church? Oh, core values. I don't know. What's a core value? I don't know. Somebody help me here, you know? And Dave McMurtry was in the staff meeting. He says, well, you know, you're always talking about we're all people in process. I went, oh, yeah, I guess we do talk about that a lot. 
I guess that must be a core value. And then Dave says, and you know, you always talk about this idea that we should be a grace-filled community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Let's write that one down, you know. So now we've got them on posters all around our lobby and out there. And we've got them on our website. But we had developed core values without even knowing it. They just became the things that determined why we do what we do when we do it. And you've got a set of core values. These are the things that you have relied upon when you've made choices or come up against difficulties or whatever it might be. And I would encourage you to take some time and think about what are your core values? Because you've got them. Paul details his a little bit later on here in chapter 3. He says, you know about my teachings, my way of life. And then he lists these things. He says, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. What are those things? Those are his core values. This is how I run my life. I know my purpose. Your purpose is your why. It's why you do what you do. Why you decide what you decide. Why you live the way that you live. Paul says, I have discovered my purpose in life. You know my purpose. This is the thing that I do, why I do it. And, and you've got one of those. My faith now, when he's talking about his faith, it's not just his belief system. It's where he's put his full faith and reliance and trust. He said, you know how much I have put my full trust in Christ. My patience, my ability to go through trouble and difficulty and suffer setback without getting disappointed or without getting angry. My love. Said, Timothy, you know that when I talk about love, it's not just one section of a letter that I wrote to the church in Corinth. It's how I've lived my life. And endurance. My willingness to just tough it through sometimes when you got to and not give up. That's what he's saying to Timothy. You know these things about me. So the things that you've heard me talk about and the things that you've seen in my life and the, and the values that I've lived upon, those are the things that you need to pass on to other people. See, growing in discipleship is all about coming to the realization that what Jesus said about life is really true. And the way that he said to live our life is really the best way to live. And that becomes your mental map, and it begins to define your core values, which refines your mental map. And those are the things, when you get into your 60s and 70s and 80s and then on, those are the things that you have to share to, with somebody else. And you don't have to wait until you're in your 60s. You have something that you can pass on to someone else, because this is what Paul wrote to Timothy, as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. In other words, share your life with others because you know those who shared their life with you. So a couple of questions. What are your core values? You know, I want to take some time and just think about that. What are the guideposts for your life? Who influenced you? You might want to drop them a note or let them know the impact they had on your life. And what are you passing along? And more importantly, who are you passing it along to? I want to give you a couple of names. 
people who shaped my mental map. You don't know any of these guys. Now, some of you might know one or two. But these are the men, besides my dad, who helped shape me. Gordon Kwame, Sunday school teacher I had for years, who first got me interested in knowing more about the Bible, knowing more about Jesus. Norm Smith, who was just a wise counselor along the way. Dennis Sawyer was my first, first youth pastor. And then he was the first pastor that I served under as a youth pastor. Jack Weitzel was the pastor of San Francisco Bethel Church when I was growing up there. Lionel Johnson, Megan Friedman's father. Jack Klassen, Gus Christensen. These were men who spoke into my life and didn't just speak into it, but they lived it out. And you got that. No matter how old you are, no matter what age you are, you have that and you can pass it along. Whatever age or stage you are at, you can always help the next generation. I believe that, that we have that responsibility. That every one of us in this room has a responsibility to the next generation. Not just with our words, but with our lives and our actions. And you don't have to wait until you're 60. You can start now. Here's a couple of next steps. You can start by serving in a ministry of the church. If you've got Bible knowledge and understanding, if you've got experience like we've been talking about today, you could lead a community group. You could be involved in, 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 uh, in, in a rooted group. You could, you, could, you could serve in our youth ministry. My brother-in-law is in his 70s. He's still doing it. <laughs> You'll be called grandpa a few times maybe, but, <laughs> but you could serve in, in the youth ministry or in our children's ministry. And, and, and invest in that next generation. Maybe, maybe, maybe you would initiate a conversation with someone older than you and just get to know them. Take them out for coffee. <laughs> or maybe invest in someone younger than you and get to know them. Speak in their lives. We actually have on the table out in the lobby. Um, if you are interested in, in helping mentor and you think you might have something to offer, you can go to that table and sign up and say, hey, I'm willing to do that, and we'll, we'll match up with somebody. And if, you, if you're looking for somebody that you would like to look up to and maybe help you navigate through life or where you're at in life right now, you can go to that table and sign up there, and we'll, we'll try and match you up with somebody. It, it's that important. So I would encourage you, take one of those next steps and, and, and invest in the generation that's coming along behind you. Now, if this is all new to you, if this whole Christianity thing, church thing is all brand new, where you're just kind of starting out or, or even investigating, we have this incredible resource called This Changes Everything. And this is a book that we give out. It's a multi-week study journey through understanding what the Christian faith is all about. And we would love to give it to you. It is free. If you are investigating, if you are just starting out, Pick up a copy of this. We've got a little living room uh, set up over there on the way out on the left-hand side by the doors.
just stop in there. There'll be somebody happy to talk with you, give you one of these books, and you can get started in this journey so you can invest in the next generation. Um, if it's your first, second, or third time, I would encourage you, stop by the New Friends corner. They're on the right side of the doors over there. Give us a chance to get to know you. Um, hang out with us for a couple, two, three weeks. Get to know us a little bit better. Give us a chance to get to know you. We'd really appreciate that. We are all in this together, and we're here to help each other along this journey of faith that we share. Would you stand with me? Just want to remind you, and we say this every week, because wherever you are at, whatever stage you are at in life, or whatever you might be facing right now, or maybe in a place where you just feel like everything is hopeless, here's what we believe around here. That there is nothing so broken that God cannot mend it. And there's no one so lost that God cannot find you. And even if you feel like your whole life is falling apart and everything's dead, there is nothing so dead that God cannot resurrect it. And we've got prayer partners that will be up here in the front. We'd love to talk with you a little bit more about that. If you've got need for prayer, please make use of that opportunity. All right? Let me uh, close with a blessing, if you would, just in that posture of receiving as well as surrender. It comes right from Paul's words to Timothy. May you continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. And may you begin this week to share that with someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us this morning. We'll see you next week.